you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and today... Inflation is on our agenda. Inflation has really been a major headline the last 18 months as market participants digested the unprecedented government response to COVID-19, the pandemic, with easy money policy. And since early 2021, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, has championed that inflation would be, quote, transitory, end quote, or temporary, although following the higher than expected October numbers on the CPI index, consumer prices, the narrative has begun to shift. Uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell amended his definition of transitory and changed his tune to say that inflation is probably transitory, and he changed the definition of transitory. Thus far, inflation has proven not to be temporary, and further rising prices have quickly become a big problem. And while inflation is a concern, the media is really running rampant with stories on how prices are increasing. So I think it's important to to take a step back, look at what's going on, what's likely to continue. Is inflation here to stay? What does that really mean? Does that mean six to 12 months? Does that mean several years? And as I've been discussing for really months, what about the long-term implications of how we have printed money and provided easy money policy, kept interest rates a little artificially low, and how do you unwind all that? And what are the long-term implications? Uh, today, I'm really privileged to have on Billy Carroll. Billy is the president and chief executive officer of Smart Bank. He's a University of Tennessee graduate. He also formerly served on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank Nashville branch. Good morning, Billy. It's great to have you back on with us this morning. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you? Doing great. Doing great. Had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you, you and your family did as well. We did. I ate a little bit too much, but uh, I've got to spend the next <laughs> couple of days uh, kind of fasting a little bit, I think. <laughs> you and me both. So let's digest a little bit. Let's start with federal, uh, with the Fed's uh, Jerome Powell saying that inflation now is probably transitory. And he's kind of redefined what transitory means. So talk from your perspective, Billy, of what you've seen over the last month or two and how the narrative has started to change. And, and, and are you concerned about inflation lasting a while? Yeah, and it's a, it's a great question. It's probably one of the biggest debates 
Jim, that we're seeing, um, you know, kind of in, in our, our world, in the banking world, uh, you know, when you look at, at the debate, kind of permanent versus transitory or temporary, uh, I think, you know, you've got, you've got really smart economists on both sides of this thing. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the majority of them, of them are, are continuing to lean that it, that it is a, a, a temporary uh, situation. Uh, yeah, I was looking at a survey the other day. I think uh, uh, B of A Securities put out a survey, and they were looking at I think it was sixty five thirty five. You know that that uh, of some of the top economists in the in the world were discussing this, and 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 I tend to agree with that. I think you're. I think it is more temporary. You know, one of the things I was looking at. We we follow. Uh, as, as I know you do in your business, kind of what's going on with CPI. And, you know, when you look at, at CPI and where it is today, there's really, there are really only two categories in, 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 in what makes up our consumer price index that, that have really spiked. And that's, that's transportation, uh, uh, transportation commodities and energy. You know, you take those two components out of the equation. Uh, we we don't have a lot of other inflation. You know, when you, uh, we all see it. You know, used car and truck prices are up up uh, uh, a, t- a ton year over year. Gas prices are up forty plus percent year over year. Uh, car and truck rentals are are up, I think, over forty percent year over year. So so I think if you if you if you normalize just the transportation component of the CPI. In the energy component of the CPI, I think this thing settles back down a little bit to where it looks a lot more reasonable. I was looking at something that, that uh, one of the companies that we do some work with was circulating the other day, and it was they, they basically said if you just normalized those two components, then then you're looking at a a, a two point eight uh, a two point eight percent year over year increase in CPI versus a five and a half percent increase year over year. Uh, with them now. Now those two components are big pieces uh, of of the economy, but but yeah, I'm kind of of the mindset that 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 will that will subside as we get into 2022, and and that, that maybe inflation won't be uh, as rampant. Uh, you know, your opening comments are, are spot on. There is a um, there is there there was a lot of money that was injected into the system over the course of the last couple of years, and and that in itself is going to continue to to take a while to work through. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations. I don't think any of us really know exactly how this is going to play out, but I'm I'm in the camp that it's it, that inflation will be uh, probably a, a more temporary than permanent. Well, and if we go back, Billy, to our kind of economics 101, you know, when you look at supply and demand, I mean, you've got, with all the free money that's been injected into the economy, we have tremendous demand. Uh, the savings mm-hmm. rates are up dramatically in the United States. And so people, we have this pent-up demand. People are looking to spend money, and the supply is just not there. And so when the demand tremendously exceeds the supply, prices go up, Right. So it's yeah. kind of a good economics 101 lesson. I, I do want to mention, you know, back in August, Chairman Powell, he pointed to five inflation benchmarks when he spoke at, 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 in, at Jackson Hole. And one of them was that inflation would not be broad-based, kind of what you were saying. It's, it's kind of isolated to things like energy, 
transportation commodities, things like that. But we are seeing some other categories creep up a little bit. Things like, you know, certainly at the grocery store, I think people are feeling the pinch a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that's what's led him to redefine what transitory means? I, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I think he's, I think he's, and I know just from uh, the opportunity, the great opportunity that I had to sit around a couple of those tables uh, at the regional level with the Federal Reserve. Yeah, they, they are very data driven, you know, and so they're, they're looking at, they're looking at, at, at these CPI categories and they are, and when you, when you drill down into them, you know, they're, uh, like you mentioned food, food is up a little bit more. I think food's trending up in the fours, I think four and a half percent year over year, which is a little heavier. But but it, it, I think they're looking at those individual sectors. And I, I, I know they're, he's zeroing in on, on these two or three that are that are that are that are higher than they should be. Uh, and I think that's re- that's the reason. Uh, if I were to guess, that would be the reason that he's making the comments. Yeah, I, I do think you know you you've got so many different situations today. Just with uh, you know with shipping, you know we we deal with a number of uh, transportation companies uh, throughout our bank's footprint, and um, uh, you know that's just the the the, the cost to get to get good to get goods you know from one point to another i mean it's just tremendously higher uh now though some of those things i think you're right some of those things are going to stay in it out there for a while i think wage inflation uh, is wages are moving up and i think that's here to stay i i do think uh transportation costs i think i think some of those are going to continue to to stay elevated so i i, I don't think we're going to be in a in a spot where you're going to see this thing really go back uh, go back to you know to to uh, you know pre-pandemic levels but i do think it will settle down yeah the wage pressure was something i wanted to ask you about or, or to talk about a little bit because with the wage pressures and the, the challenges in the workforce, and you say you think it's here to stay, I mean, ultimately, corporations are going to pa- have to pass those costs through, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they want to maintain their margins, then they've, you know, they ultimately that's going to get passed through, do you think? Yeah, it will. Uh, it, it will. And, I, you know, I also think, I think you'll also see um, uh, companies just, I think they're going to absorb where they can. I think you'll see companies uh, trying to operate on, uh, you know, on probably a little bit thinner margins. You know, Jim, I think you, you know as well as I do, our economy is changing uh, at such a rapid pace. It, it is moving from a from a, a more manufacturing-driven economy like it was back, you know, 20 years ago now to, a, to more of a knowledge-based economy and with a big focus on tech. I know in our company, you know, our investments – uh, as we grow, or a lot of a lot of them around, um, you know, technology uh, uh, components that make our, make us more efficient, that reduce our need to have to, to have to hire uh, more people in, in certain spots. And so, I think you'll see more investment there. I think wages are going to go up. I think margins in the business world are going to continue to get a little bit tighter. Uh, some of that will get passed on to consumers. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I also think you'll see uh, I think you'll see companies trying to figure out ways to operate more efficiently too. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about American ingenuity, and that's one of the great things we've always seen historically is when we have economic challenges like this, businesses learn to become more lean 
and more efficient so they can kind of absorb some of these things mm-hmm. we're talking about. That's exactly right. We're visiting with Billy Carroll. He is the president and chief executive officer at Smart Bank. Uh, he previously served on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank, the Nashville branch. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about interest rates and Federal Reserve policy, how that affects you and me. There have been a lot going on with the Federal Reserve just in the last week, and there's going to be a lot going on in the next couple of weeks. And then a little bit later in the show, I've got five tips of how to beat inflation in 2022 and beyond. So stay with us as we visit with Billy Carroll. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We come to you every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. You can catch us online. All of our shows are podcast at broganfinancial.com and click on radio. We're visiting this morning with Billy Carroll. He's president and chief executive officer at Smart Bank. He also previously served on the on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank, Nashville branch. And we're talking about inflation and consumer prices and certainly has been a lot in the media. And kind of what I got in that first segment, Billy, is that, you know, it's maybe not as bad as it's being made to be. At the same point, one thing I do want to ask you, you mentioned you don't see it necessarily, once we can get through this next six or 12 months, you don't necessarily see it going back to pre-pandemic levels. Of course, we were at one and a half to 2% mostly on inflation really since 2009 after the Great Recession. Do you think we settle in at 2.5%, 3%? Do you think we're going to have a little bit of a new world of a of, of little bit higher inflation? I, I do. I do think. I do think we'll have just generally um, uh, a higher inflationary uh, level. You know, I, I, you know when, you, when you, you can't put as much, much uh, stimulus into the system, like we did over the last couple of years, and not and not have some repercussions from that. So I, I do think you're going to have a higher than normal uh, inflation area. I just don't think it's going to get back to, to to where it would be what I would call alarming levels. But it's something that you know that investors need to need to be aware of. Um, uh, you know, it is uh, you've got to be uh, you've got to be smart with where you're putting your money today. Well, and I've heard some people, you know, talking about the late 70s. Um, I think we're probably in agreement we don't necessarily, at least for now, see that kind of a scenario. Do you agree with that? <laughs> oh, 100% agree. I think, you know, there's just, there, you know, when you look at, when you look at, you know, the last, re- rewinding back to the, to the 70s and the 80s, you know, we, we are a long way away from, from, a, from, from a CPI number. Uh, that's up there. We, you know, we've trended outside of kind of this normal range that we've been in uh, for the last, uh, uh, you know, for the last 20 or so years, 30 years. Uh, but I, I do think you'll see this thing settle down. And, you know, and over the course of that same period of time from 1980 till now, you know, you've seen, you know, the 10-year the, the treasury rate, that's a benchmark that I really look at. Now, I look at that 10-year Treasury. That 10-year Treasury has consistently declined uh, since, you know, since the mid-'80s till now. And, I mean, it's just it's, – it's, it's worked. If you look at a chart, 
that 10-year Treasury has been in a very, very tight range, decreasing uh, uh, from the mid-'80s all the way to now. And so I just don't see it, it really you know, running outside of that, that range too much. Well, and I'm going to tease our audience just a little bit because in the back half of the show, I'm going to talk about five tips for beating inflation as investors and in our financial plans. And I'll just want to throw in there when 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 the 10-year Treasury has come down the way that it has over the last 40 years, when, when that happens, bond values increase because bonds and interest rates, mm-hmm. of course, move in an opposite direction. So we've had an historic bull market in the bond market. and yeah. uh, but But now rates are low. And when rates go up, bond bond values go down. So I'm just going to kind of throw that in there as a tease for the audience. <laughs> hey, Jim, hey, Jim and, that's, and, and a plug for Brogan Financial, that's where you really do. You need to align with a great financial advisor because these these times are uh, these times are uh, they're tough uh, for investors, and uh, and and it's really important. Uh, you know, you might need to change your strategy a little bit during a time like this. Sure, absolutely. Let, let's talk about the Fed. So the Federal Reserve has, you know, they're cutting back, they're tapering. So basically they've been buying treasuries. And a better way to think about that, I think, for our listeners is they're printing money in, or they're putting money into, into the economy. <laughs> they're injecting it into the economy. They're slowing down on that. Uh, I think they're going to taper that through next summer. So they're starting to tighten up a little bit with their policies. They're worried about inflation. Um they're, they've been keeping – do you agree, Billy, with the comment when, if somebody says that the Fed has kept interest rates artificially low? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think you – it's really tough to, to argue that too much. I mean, you know, the Fed, you know, has, has pulled out a number of different, um, um, you know, uh, ways to, to help kind of navigate these – um, you know, these, these economic cycles. And, uh, you know, when you're going out and, you know, traditionally the Fed didn't go out and buy bonds, uh, you know, they're going out and they're, they're, they're purchasing securities and then determining at what point to put that back in, put, you know, to, to sell low, to sell those back into the, back into the system. So yes, I, I think it is, it's a, it, it is an artificially low, uh, uh, rate, rate environment, no doubt. Do you think there, you know, the Fed has been saying interest rates would stay where they are until into 2023. Do you think that is likely to change now with some of the inflationary and price pressures we're seeing? Yeah, when you look at when you look at kind of where uh, uh, rates are, and you look at uh, and you look at Fed funds futures or, or the, the 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 charts that show you when they think rates are going to come back up, I still think there's I think it's maybe moved up a little bit. Uh, kind of mid year 2022 uh, is 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 what has been uh, discussed. I think that's that's conventional wisdom. Uh, is you'll see the Fed fund rates moving up probably mid-year and then probably having a couple of rate bumps, uh, uh, you know, pushing the Fed fund rate up, you know, up probably closer to 1% um, uh, over the course of the next, you know, 12 months or so. Um, But I I think the real question, Jim, is what does that do to longer rates? You know, the Fed, the Fed's going to control the short end of the, the curve, with fund rates, and they they attempt to 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 you know work the the longer end too with bond purchases. But if but if they they stop, uh, you know if they stop purchasing securities, which they they telegraph 
and push these rates up, you, you wonder, you know, I, my, main, my, my concern is what does it do to the overall yield curve? I think that's where the, the real debate's going to come. I don't think there's any doubt you'll see short rates up uh, over the course of the next 12 months. But what happens to that five to 10 year uh, spot on the curve uh, as, you, as you look out? Well, and actually, you know, the, the just recently, um, the, the curve, the, the 20 to 30 year range got inverted a little bit. So in other words, uh-huh. the 20 year treasury was paying more than the 30 year treasury. So back out on the, 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 the long end of that yield curve, there were, are some concerns because usually when the when, when things get inverted, in other words, where when longer term bonds are paying a lower interest rate than shorter term bonds, that that often leads to recession. So that and mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to my next question, Billy, is how's the Fed or or just the challenge? Uh, put us a little bit. You know, you served on the Federal Reserve uh, Board with the Nashville branch. Put us a little bit in the minds of the Fed because they're trying to balance taking some of this easy money policy, trying to kind of pull a little bit of that off the sidelines, slowly increase interest rates. At the same time, they don't want to choke off the economic growth if margins with companies start getting tighter and tighter because that could lead to recession. So can you just talk about the balancing act here that the Fed is in? Yeah, and it's, it's, it is challenging. As I, I said a little bit earlier, they, they are extremely data-driven, but they also, and I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize, they, you know, one of the things that I, my role as a, as a regional director um, was, was to provide more anecdotal information. So, you know, while, while the data, you know, you look at data and you look at charts and you look at numbers, um, the Fed also really wants to understand what's going on in, uh, you know, in, on, on Main Street. And so they are looking for, for real life anecdotal, um, uh, uh, scenarios and, and, and hearing it, because sometimes the data won't show that. And I do think we're still in such a unusual spot coming out of this pandemic. You know, you have economies like ours uh, here, Jim, in, in East Tennessee and a lot of southeastern economies that are running fairly what I kind of in air quotes normal. You go to other parts of the country, it doesn't feel like that. As as we talk to, um, I talk to colleagues in different parts of the country, whether it's the, the West Coast or the Northeast, it, it, it still doesn't feel that way. So, so I think when you look at our, our national economy as a whole, they're getting this, the Fed's getting this anecdotal information. Uh, you know, they're trying to balance what's going on coming out of this pandemic. You've got, you've got local and regional, um, you know, restrictions that are out there that may, may, may damper the economy. Fortunately, we don't see, we've not seen much of that here, uh, in, in, in our region. But I, I think the Fed is really trying to balance, you know, the, the data with what's going on anecdotally, trying to figure out the right way to keep this economy going and keep inflation from uh, from getting out of control. I think that's a great perspective, though, of, of what you just brought up, Billy, of different parts of the country are seeing such different situations. We've kind of all inherently understood in East Tennessee we're in a really good spot here, but 
you know, that is a hard thing, or at least on the surface would seem like a very difficult thing for the Fed to balance. Hey, before I let you go here, Billy, I would like to ask you, you know, the, the uh, President Biden just recently last week announced that he's reappointed Chairman Jerome Powell for another three-year term with the Fed. Uh, the markets seem to initially like that announcement. Now, yesterday was another matter, but that was more, uh, the markets more uh, corrected because or went down because of concerns about the new Omicron variant of the COVID pandemic. But big picture, do you, do you, are you glad they reappointed Chairman Powell? I know the progressive wing of the Democratic Party wanted the other candidate uh, who was kind of put underneath Powell right now. What do you think of the reappointment of Powell in these challenges? times. You know, Jim, you know, po- politics, uh, I, 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 I actually think it's a, a really good pick because you've got folks on kind of both sides that, that, that don't like it. So that usually means it's probably <laughs> yeah. pretty good. I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think Powell, Powell's, I think Powell is, I, I like him because he really is, as you watch him, he's not partisan at all. And, and, and in my opinion, and, and I think he is the right person to stay in that. I think the continuity is good. Uh, uh, you know, today, I mean, he's been at these tables for the last several years, uh, a very, very uh, smart guy. And, and I, I like the pick. I think it will, will lead to more stability uh, in our markets as we try to, as you say, as we kind of unwind this thing and look for, for, uh, for ways kind of out and moving into the, the, the next sector of growth for our economy. So I, I like the pick. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I mean, when you we're in the midst of all the challenges we've had, you know, as long as things haven't really gone off the rails, consistency seems like uh, a, a pretty wise thing. My, my final question is there are still three open seats that will be filled mm-hmm. in probably early December. And the fact that progressives didn't necessarily like the appointment of Powell, do you think those – what do you think happens with those other three seats, and what does that really mean for the for the Fed? You know, it's it, it's really interesting. I think one of the reasons, and like I said, you, I, I, you, I, this is speculation, but, you know, there, it, we're in such a polarizing um, uh, environment in, in Washington, and uh, the current administration is trying to get a lot of things done, and I think they, they're trying to figure out which battles to pick. And I think that was one of the reasons they wanted to stay with Powell is they knew that would probably be an easier confirmation. I think as these other open seats come up, um, I, I think you will see debate. Uh, if you if you have folks with kind of you know polarizing views, we're seeing it right now with uh, an appointment that is uh, they're 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 vetting the new uh, 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 comptro- lead for the comptroller of the currency, uh, which is one of the one of the key banking regulators. Uh, in the country, you're seeing debate over that because of, of certain views that 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 are that are not moderate. Uh, so I, I think I think you'll see the administration be pretty uh, look to try to create spots and and, and put picks in there uh, that will not be controversial because I think at the end of the day you, they've got to figure out which battles to pick and and and, and which ones not to. Yeah, a lot of wisdom in that comment. Billy Carroll, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and staying with us just about an extra five minutes here this morning. We really appreciate it. Sounds great, Jim. Enjoyed it. Uh, Appreciate the time.
Yes, sir. That's Billy Carroll. He is the president and chief executive officer of Smart Bank. As we've been discussing inflation and what's going on out there and what are the concerns moving forward and what is Federal Reserve policy likely to do. When we come back, five tips to beat inflation in 2022 and beyond in your financial plan and your investment planning. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. One thing I do want to mention, my next college class. So, you know, we do some uh, adult education in the community through the University of Tennessee uh, and Pellissippi State through their adult education programs, non-credit. This is These classes are for people near retirement or in retirement. It's specifically about retirement planning. And one of the big things we talk about is how to beat inflation. That's one of your big enemies of retirement income. And my next class, I'm done for this calendar year. I'll be back at the University of Tennessee on February the 1st and the 8th. It's two two two-hour sessions. Uh, It's at the Downtown Conference Center. There's free parking just right across the street, catty-cornered from the conference center. February 1st and 8th, 6.30 to 8.30 both nights. Uh, you can go to my website, broganfinancial.com, and click on Classes, and you can click to learn more and to be notified when those classes go live for registration. Okay, let's talk about five tips to beat inflation as an investor, and more importantly, how you beat the impact of inflation on your life, which, you know, financial planning is more about how you position your money to serve your life goals for now, for retirement, and when you're gone. Many, many people, how they pass their their finance, financial assets on to their kids and their loved ones, or church or charity is also very important. But how do you combat these risks of inflation? You know, our message there from Billy Carroll, uh, president and CEO of SmartBank, is that, you know, don't, and I agree, don't, don't be so worried that this is going to turn into the late 70s where we had such hyperinflation, at least not right now. Um, but inflation is likely to be higher than it was pre-pandemic. Down the road, who knows? We've printed a lot of money. The Fed's got to unwind all that policy. And, you know, if we see 3% inflation, just to put this in perspective, let's say you've got a million-dollar portfolio. Let's just use a round number. If we see 3% inflation, in 20 years, a million dollars won't be worth what a million dollars is worth now, right? It'll be worth, what what would it be worth? A little less than $560,000. So in 20 years, the purchasing power of a million dollars would be cut by over 40%. You know what? Let's look at it in income terms. If you need $80,000 a year to live on in retirement, and 20 years from now, you're still drawing that same $80,000 a year, 
in, t- in today's terms, that's like living on $62,000, less than about $60,000, 60 to $62,000. No, I, I'm doing that math wrong. It'd be $80,000. I'm sorry, that'd be about $38,000. So think about how impactful that would be. If you need $80,000 a day in income, that'd be like having $32,000 instead of eighty. So, um, or it would, man, I'm completely butchering this. That's what happens when I, when you do math in your head instead of writing this down. It'd be a reduction of 32,000. So it'd be like drawing 48,000 in income. My, my apologies. So instead of 80, you'd be getting 48. That'd be a real problem. So five tips to beat inflation. Number one, beware of bonds. And this is probably my number one tip. Traditional bond investment could be, you know what, in my view, will be extremely problematic in the future. And the way bonds have been positioned in portfolios, bonds, for the most part, have had two reasons in in a financial investment portfolio. One has been for income. You know, bonds pay regular dividends. You can live off the dividends. But, of course, interest rates are really low right now, so they're not yielding much. So the only way you can get any kind of return at all, any kind of yield on income on bonds, is to buy longer-term bonds. And then you're locking in today's low interest rates, which doesn't make a lot of sense. The second reason for bonds in an investment portfolio is to balance the risk of the stock market. You know, in the short term, the stock market is completely unpredictable and volatile. We don't know what's going to happen over the next month, quarter, I would say year, two, three years. The shorter term, the forecast, the more it's just an educated guess on what the stock market is going to do. And the market is volatile. So when when the stocks are sharply going down, people are rushing to the safety of bonds. And so uh, they help balance the volatility of the stock market. You don't lose as much typically when the stock market is sharply down, because in the short-term, bonds help with that volatility. And that is still true, even with low interest rates. So yeah, bonds aren't paying much, but they do add some stability to a portfolio. The problem is, in in an at-risk portfolio, we should still be invested for the future. I mean, even in a typical 60-40 or 70-30 stock and bond portfolio, I mean, you still should be investing with a five to seven or eight year investment horizon. In other words, you should be setting aside your risk investments and letting them grow and drawing your income from elsewhere. Because we don't know in the short term what would happen. Well, if you're investing for six, seven years down the road, in that context, why would you ever want to have, why would you want to have much in bonds or in bond funds? Because they're not, I mean, if interest rates stay low, they're not paying anything, or very, very little. And if interest rates go up, bonds are going to do even worse. I I would say the long-term risk in bonds is actually higher risk than the long-term risk in stocks. Meaning, if you put $100,000 in in the U.S. stock market, and all you care about is what's it worth in 10 years and it w- what will it buy for you in 10 years as compared to today? Can it beat inflation? Because that's what we're talking about this week. How do you beat inflation? 
If you put $100,000 in stocks and $100,000 in bonds, which is at greater risk 10 years from today to lose value in terms of what you can buy? The bonds. There's, there's no question in my mind. The greater risk long-term is the bonds. Yet, so much of the traditional investment planning world still uses these heavy mixes of traditional bond investment that can go down that, that go down when interest rates go up. And we're on the front edge of what I feel like would be will be a bear market in bonds. So now you're in a little bit of a quandary. How do you get that short term stability so you don't lose too much in the short term and yet get some long term growth? So you have got to have a different kind of diversification. You've got to own other things that help stabilize a portfolio. Things like uh, things that don't move with the stock market. You know, diversification means you got a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't just move up and down together. So if one thing zigs, another zags. So if one thing's way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all way down. And, and yes, traditional bonds has been the number one asset class that's used to balance the risk of the stock market, but you've got to have other things now. You've got to have things like commodities and energy and and natural resources and real estate is not highly correlated to the U.S. stock market. And then there are what I call non-traditional bond holdings that can go up with rising rates rather than down. I don't have time to unpack all that today, but they can go up when the markets when, when interest rates go up instead of down. So there's just a lot of other ways to diversify a portfolio today. And the approach that's worked really for the last 50 years is just not going to work in the future. So beware of bonds. When we come back from our last break, we'll cover the other four, my, uh, my other four key tips for beating inflation in 2022 and beyond. So stay with us as you're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're talking about inflation and how to beat inflation. Five tips for beating inflation in 2022 and beyond. By the way, I have a new guide out on retirement and inflation. And you can download that guide. It's complimentary. If you go to my website, go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources, and it's right there at the top. Retirement and inflation guide, what to know and how to prepare. Uh, I mentioned my first tip, which I spent a good bit of time on, beware of bonds. Let's quickly go through these last four tips. Uh, The the, the next, or the four for this segment, the next is long-term growth is vital. You know, you need growth over the long term to beat inflation. So at-risk investments are, are vital in a retirement portfolio so you can produce the kind of income you need 20 years from now to, to keep up with or beat inflation. And the only way you're going to do that is have growth investments, in my view. And the, the challenge with growth investments is that short-term volatility. So you have to create a financial plan 
that provides for some stability of income in the short term, but then growth of investments in the long term because of inflation. But long-term growth is vital. People are living longer and longer lives. An average 65-year-old married couple expected to live, one of you is expected to live to 94 years old. So it's just vital. Number, tip number three, provide for short-term stability of income. You know, there's an expression, don't take a fixed income from a variable investment. You shouldn't be living on investments that go up and down in value every month and every week and every day. Because inevitably, they will be sharply down. And that means when they're down, you're having to sell off investments to generate income and then spend it. And you'll compound your losses because that money's been spent. It'll never, ever come back. You know, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest. But you don't ever want to sell it and spend it when it's down. So you want to set aside money that's in some of these short-term, low-yielding things, banks, uh, short-term bond alternatives. There's these things called guaranteed interest contracts, which are just like CDs, but they're with insurance companies instead of banks. This is the one part of your portfolio that will have a hard time keeping up with inflation. So we don't want to put much in there. But what it does do is it provides for stability of income in the short term so you can have your risk investments grow for the longer term to beat inflation. Tip number four, balance the risk of your risk investments with greater diversification. And I talked about that when I was talking about being, where, be, bearing, being wary of bonds. You just, you've got to have greater diversification, more things in your portfolio that if one thing zigs, another zags. That way, if one thing's way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all way down. And that's critically important because, you know, having some stability in a portfolio in retirement for most retirees is pretty important. You know, if you're 35 years old and you have a 401k, you're not worried about short-term volatility because you've got a 25, maybe 30, 35 year investment horizon. It doesn't really matter what happens in the short term. But when you're retired, even when you position those risk investments for six or seven years from now, you still gotta be wary that you don't lose too much in the downturn because it could take too long to recover and you may not make money. And what if we had two bear markets in the next seven or eight years? You know, that could happen. I don't know if that'll happen, but it could. And your money wouldn't grow in the next seven or eight years to beat inflation if you lost too much in that big market downturn. So having greater diversification where you're not just going up and down with the stock market, that becomes more important when you don't have 30 years to wait for markets to work themselves out. All right, so greater diversification is key. And then my fifth tip on my five tips to beating inflation in the future is reduce your income taxes. Income taxes are the greatest expense you and I will ever have over our lifetimes. It dwarfs our medical costs. It dwarfs our costs that we pay for our housing. It is our income taxes. And income taxes are lower today than they will be in the future. Income taxes increase at the end of 2025 if Congress does nothing. However, with all of this spending and the federal debt we've in, been incurring, how likely is it income taxes 
increase more in the future? What will tax rates look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? We have to be aware of that. And I think it's a pretty good likelihood they're going to be higher than they are even when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires in 2020, at the end of 2025. You have most retirees, you have more control of your income taxes in retirement than at any other time in your life. How you manage taxes leading up to retirement, how you manage taxes during retirement is more as important or more important today in my view than it's ever been because stocks and bonds are both expensive today so i think there's a decent likelihood the next 10 years investment returns are not what they've been the last 10 years and so remember it's not how much you make it's how much you get to keep and if you can if you can reduce the income tax side of that you can put more money in your pocket so those are my five tips for beating inflation in 2022 and beyond. You can get my retirement and inflation guide online. It's a complimentary download at broganfinancial.com. Click on resources. Thank you to Billy Carroll, our guest today, who's the president and CEO of SmartBank. Thank you to Chris for uh, engineering the show today. Thank you, Jill, for producing the show. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We've been discussing your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Have a great weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.